So the Unreachable series uh, intent of this was to cause us to recognize that the world needs a savior, that our world is in trouble, it is in shambles, and, you know, sometimes we get caught, and I think we're guilty of saying it's never been as bad as it is right now. But there's been some bad times throughout history. And if you've studied any history at all, you know that there has been some worse times than this. I mean, you could go back in American history alone and see a civil war where that uncles was shooting nephews and brothers was shooting brothers and over a belief. That's pretty bad times. I'm thankful we're not there right now. Ain't you? So no matter how bad it is, it's always been bad because humans are involved. But I'm thankful that God saw fit to send his son Jesus to a broken world to show us what perfection or what life should be like. That it's not about us, it's about what are we going to do for others. And Jesus didn't look down at humanity and say, you know what, Dad? Sitting there in heaven, you know the Holy Spirit here, Jesus here, and Heavenly Father here, and be like, you know what, Dad? I think they're just unreachable. No sense me going down there, they're just going to stay the same way they've always been. They don't want help. I think they're unreachable. But aren't you glad that our Savior looked over to his father and said, they're worth my effort. They're worth me stretching out and living outside of my comfort zone and going into a broken world and living 33 and a half years born of a virgin, growing up with his parents, Because of the perplexing times that he was living in, he had to flee to Egypt to keep from being killed because of persecution over an ethnic background. Jesus didn't have the picture-perfect life. It was broken. There was pain. There was turmoil all around him. But he lived with the grace of God causing him to rise above the troubled times he was living in. And when he looked around all through the Gospels, if we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, we'll see story after story after story of Jesus walking through a region, sometimes even through regions that people told him was unwise, or why would you go there? Even his very own disciples, his 12 individuals that he chose to be his uh, closest of close friends, walking with him and traveling through. And they say, well, why are we going this way? We, we've never taken this road before. I always go around that town. I'll take the bypass around that one. I'm not going in there, Samaria. And Jesus would say, I must need go through Samaria. That's what the verse says. I must need go through Samaria. Jesus knew that there was a person that he needed to reach inside that city. And he was willing to go through a region where his disciples would be unlocked, where he would be unlocked, and he put himself in dangerous situation. 
But guess what? Sometimes it's worth it when God has called us to do so. I thank God for missionaries that will go into regions of the earth where people hate them being there, but they're willing to go anyway. And sometimes it's that way with us. We'll go into somebody in our community, and maybe they don't want to see your smiling, pretty face. Surely not. Not me, right? Yeah. I thought everybody would just open their arms and welcome me. So glad to see Ben. Not the case sometimes. But we need to go anyway. If God has called us to go speak to them or talk to them or witness to them, it may be an age-old enemy that you've been feuding forever. It may be like the Hatfields and the McCoys. I was watching Andy Griffith the other day, and what was it, the Wakefields and somebody on Andy Griffith's show, and Andy had to go out there and keep them from shooting each other and all that, and he took care of business. Andy was a, a form of Jesus, allowing that young couple to get married. It was a beautiful thing. Let's lay aside our differences so that God can reach those whom he wishes to reach. Jesus said it best in that he said, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And I'm sure as he said that to his disciples, they were thinking they was found. Come on, somebody. If you don't even know you're lost, it's hard to be saved. Right? So these 12 disciples that he had chosen, they was following him around. Peter's cutting people's ears off. Peter was taking Jesus to the side and said, you can't talk like that, Master. Who does Peter think he is to tell Jesus what he's allowed to say and not allowed to say? But we need to be careful pointing our finger at Peter because guess what? I'm pretty guilty myself. Jesus, you're not allowed to do it that way. Jesus, you can't tell me to speak like that or talk like that or act like that. I'm going to do it my way. He showed those 12, but eventually all 12 of those disciples that he chose, it come down to the end of the road, and Jesus, you know, it's telling them, it's, my days has come to an end, and we're coming to the very end here, and, and the Son of Man must be crucified, and he's going to raise on the third day, and they're not even hearing it. Their ears can't hear what he's saying. And they get up in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is there and he's asked them to pray with him. They can't even stay awake to help him pray. Then he goes in, you know, the Last Supper. He gets them there and tells them, okay, we're going to have the Last Supper and we're all going to celebrate and we're going to have a good time. We're going to have communion. What a beautiful thing. Yes. They're all sitting around. Who's going to be the greatest? When Jesus comes king, I want to be right by his side. But they didn't know that the crown that he would have would be a crown of thorns that would pierce his skull. They didn't know that he'd be lashed over his back, 39 stripes taken. They didn't know he'd be punched in the face and spit on and laughed at and mocked and ridiculed. They loved Jesus, but they loved him the way they wanted him. They didn't understand that he came to die a sinner's death so you and I didn't have to. They didn't even know they was lost the whole time they was with him. Three and a half years. And I wonder how many of us don't even understand how lost we really are. We're unreachable because of our lack of knowledge of where we stand with God. The way he'll reach us 
is through and by his son Jesus. And the only way you'll ever get to heaven is not by being good enough. Awfully quiet during that section. If you're depending on your good deeds to get you to heaven, or your alms, or all these other things, or how, many, how much you pray, or anything else, if you're depending on anything you do to get you to heaven, you're on the wrong ground. It's only through and by the blood of Jesus and acceptance of his grace, and without his mercy, I will never get to heaven. I have to have him. We are not good enough. Isaiah the prophet said, My righteousness is as filthy rags. And this was a prophet of God that was speaking on behalf of God to the nation of Israel. And he said, My righteousness is as filthy rags. That is an absolute true statement. But as we've looked at this and we've seen that Jesus went through Samaria and he, he dealt with that woman. And in week one we talked about how that Jesus... Uh, and, and then later on that Philip went back there and preached the gospel message and many people and there was great revival. And remember what the uh, topic was for that day? Two weeks ago? I know it's hard to remember two weeks ago, but what did we leave here with? Huh? Joy. There will be great joy in the city, right? That Philip went there, miracles happened, people saved, people coming to Christ. And, and all kinds of great things happening, and great joy come to the city. But that was the Samaritans, and they, they was, that was a region that Jesus had already been to, but apparently it didn't work the first time. Heard somebody say once that there's no need in us preaching to the same region more than once when we haven't gave the whole world their first account of the gospel. But I don't know that that's a true statement. How many times have you heard the gospel in your life? The gospel of Jesus. A lot? More than once? There's people in this world today that unless our missionaries go, have never heard it once. We heard last week about a region of the world where they've never ever heard the gospel account of Jesus according to the truth of Scripture. They've heard versions about Jesus, but that he was just a prophet. He was just a good guy. But Jesus was so much more than that. He was the Savior of the world. And as I, I heard that and I listened to that, and, and I talked to them last week as, as they were in, less in my home, and we, we talked uh, plumb up to midnight. We was sitting on the couches and just talking about the things in the world that we're facing today. And I talked about that Acts chapter 10 experience because we had discussed about Philip, and yes, there was great joy in that city, but what about the other cities? What about another region of the earth where that they hadn't had a good witness of the gospel. They hadn't heard a good account of the gospel of Jesus yet. So I want us to look this week in Acts chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Acts chapter 10. I've got a Bible up here somewhere. It gets thrown about a lot. Somebody's hiding my Bible. 
That's not mine. I like my Bible. I just saw my Bible a while ago. Did somebody steal my Bible? If you stole my Bible in church, this is going to be a bad day. Maybe it's in here. I'm going to have to use somebody else's Bible. Sister Betty will help me out. Where's my Bible? That's embarrassing when the preacher loses the Bible. I just saw it a minute ago. It wasn't that long ago. That's not over there either. Okay, Acts chapter 10. I'm reading from Betty's Bible. Thank you, Betty. Betty's the best helper you'll ever have. If you ever need help, just ask Betty. She loves to help. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision of the angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he had observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname was Peter. His lodging was Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And then the angel of the Lord spoke to him, and he had departed. Cornelius had called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from amongst those who waited on him continually. So it explained all these things to them and sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things. Creepy? That's pretty nice in the Bible. And birds of the air. And a voice set came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again, a second time, what God has cleansed you must not call common. All this was done three times, and the object was taken up to heaven again. Now while Peter was wondering within himself what the vision, what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, men who had been sent from Cornelius had made an inquiry of Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Peter, Simon Peter, whose name was Peter, was there lodging there, while Peter threw out the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am, that, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man who fears God and has a good re reputation, 
among all the nation of the Jews was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged with them. The next day Peter went with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And he talked with him and went in and found that many who had come together. Now he said to them, You must know, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one, one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection soon as I went, was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Peter, the disciples that Jesus had lived with for three and a half years in ministry, were so caught up in their religious ways that he couldn't see fit that another human deserved Jesus. Jesus is only good enough for people like me. But God had to put him in a trance. And God had to give him a vision. And it says this even happened three times. How dumb are we sometimes that it takes God three times to get through our thick skull? Amen? Amen? This is Peter. The one that Jesus looked at and said, upon this, I'll build my church. Peter, I'm grateful you're one of my partners. And God's going to do great things through you. But the devil wants to sift you like wheat. And often Jesus would talk to Peter. And here this disciple of Jesus is after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, after Acts chapter 1 and them standing there and watching Jesus ascend into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. After living through Acts 2 and seeing great tongues of fire set upon the heads of all those in that upper room and going out and preaching and people coming to Jesus all over the city of Jerusalem had become so content with God only wants to save Jews. Without this dream, without this vision, without this clarity of mind from God, he would have never ever went. He wouldn't even have walked into the house of Cornelius, one, because he was a Roman. And I wonder how much that reflects in our lives today. We can read stories like this, but do we put ourselves in the story and say, do I act like this, God? It's not easy to preach to people you hate. And the world we're living in is a world full of hate. It's a world divided. It's, 
God didn't send us his son to hate the world. He sent his son to love the world. And are we representatives of that? So to put this in perspective, I've pondered about it, and it's the only way I know how to do it. So I need some actors. And I'm a pretty good actor. You've probably seen my skills if you are on Facebook. I'm, I'm a pretty good actor. Leslie said it looked like it took me 10 minutes to fall, but I thought it was really fast. It felt fast when I was falling. <laughs> well, the wounds just never cease to end, so we need some actors. So let's see. Um, I need uh, three Americans. Is there any Americans in the room? I need, I need three Americans. Anybody volunteer to be an American? You're proud to be an American? Where at least I know I'm free. Any Americans? No Americans in here. Oh, we got an American back here. Here's an American. We got Americans. So get us a couple Americans. Come up here, Americans. We need two. Need one more. Come on up, sir. Bring him up here, Danny. You come with him. You, he's volunteered you as well. So bring your dad to church with you. You end up volunteered. It's, or volunteered one. I've, I've heard that before, too. So. Get that chair in your chair and put it right here, and we'll put Mr. Rucker chair here too. So here's one. Yeah, break that apart. Earl? <laughs> oh, God. This world's falling apart without Leslie. What kind of church are we in here? I hope she's watching because we're all in trouble, I promise you. Okay, so okay, here. it's got this little clip right here, so a little clip slide down in there. There we go. I'll be the one to break something. There we go. You broke two. Well, you mean something. Oh, <laughs> he's on his own. Okay. Okay. So, so we love being Americans, don't we? Don't you just... It's Veterans Day. Come on, folks. It's Veterans Day weekend. Are we proud to be an American? It's awesome, right? Awesome to be an American. We're super proud to be an American. They were super proud to be Jews. The Jewish people were super proud that God brought them to a mountain and told Abraham, look out as far as you can see and as much as your feet can touch. Meriwether Lewis, get you a guy named Clark and take off out west and see how far you can go. As far as you can go, it's all yours. Right? Amen. Ain't you thankful that we live in Lewis County where Meriwether Lewis is we're named after him? We should be explorers just by nature of who we are. Head west, young man. What was the little Indian girl's name that he took with him? Historians? Sacagawea. Yeah. So he, he, he got him a little Indian girl that went along with him so that translate and talk and be the go between him and those uh, the Indian nations that they would encounter on their journey. And have you ever read the story? If you never read it, you ought to read it. It's pretty awesome. I, I read the whole account of Lewis and Clark's manual that they come back, and it's just beautiful. Stayed up all night one night and then went to work the next day, and I read the story the whole night through. I couldn't quit, couldn't lay it down. I found it on the Internet, Google Books. 
You ever been on Google Books? Oh, Google Books are awesome. You can you can find anything in Google Books. It's pretty amazing. Just look at something, get intrigued, and explore. It's kind of like Lewis and Clark's expedition. I was exploring. But they had no idea what America would become, right? No idea, really. But they was proud to be an American. And I'm proud to be an American. But Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and all, all of them, they, they was proud to be Jews. So I'm trying to paint this picture here. Okay, you following? So we're proud to be Americans. But all of a sudden, in their Jewish culture that they had left and abandoned God, the Bible says that a nation that forgets God will be turned to hell. Uh-oh. So think about this. Put us in their shoes. Proud to be Jews. We're proud to be Americans. Amen. Now all of a sudden, because America abandons God or whatever, what if God turns us over to hell? Still going to be proud to be American? We'll be, we'll be Americans. Kind of like Ukraine, you know, we can look at that and all that war over there and we can have all these opinions about what all's going on over there. But those people's been through hell. All because why? Because one man decided he wanted to put them through it. And what if somehow, in the grand scheme of things, America faces the same doom? What if two missiles lands on our shore and they divide us and conquer us so fast they went through Ukraine blazing. It was a short fight to take over regions of Ukraine. If you think for one second that without the blessing and the protection of God that our country can't endure the same thing, we're fooling ourselves. God, protect us. Go ahead and move over it, Danny. You've got to be over here with Americans. You can't be, we can't have a divided America. You must be from the South or something. But now I need me a good Russian. Any good Russians in the house? Howie, he's got a hat on. He'd make a real good Russian. So <laughs> come on up, Russian. So here's our Russian. No, you're not allowed to say it. You've got to stand the whole time. Cause, and you got to look at him real mean. you gotta, you got to scare him real good. He's a pretty scary-looking creature anyway. So now you've come in and you've took over America. And you're in charge of it. And Putin has put you in charge and said, you control it all. They're under your care. They're under your... <laughs> kind of like it, don't you? Power goes to your head all of a sudden. This is what it was like. They were living under the bondage of Rome. What would that feel like where the Roman had centurions? There, there was an army... 
and you're there barely beating out a little plow to turn it into a spear or a sword, and they're equipped with the missiles, with the technology, with tanks, with weapons, and you're standing there with nothing but a pitchfork. That's what the Jews were facing. He's got his knife out now. We are in trouble. <laughs> He's got his cane. He's ready to fight back. He's Peter. Here's Simon Peter coming out in the best of us here. But these Jews witnessed, and the, these disciples that Jesus chose, they abandoned Jesus themselves. So when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the only one that stayed was John. And he was a very young kid, and most likely they wouldn't have been too hard on him. But if Peter would have been there and Peter was 20, they'd have probably beat him up too just for being Jesus' disciple. You know the story, the little girl. You're one of them. You talk like them Galileans. You sound like a hick. Right? Dialect will give you away. It would be hard to portray yourself as a Russian right now because I can't speak Russian. If I did speak Russian, I'd sound like a hick Russian. <laughs> Peter couldn't get by with it, so he took off. The little girl scared him, and he ran away, and he went back fishing. Jesus hanging on a cross. Peter, James, and John, all of them. John's the only one who stays back. And they're all over there fishing. Do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you, you know. Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me, Peter? To whom else shall we go? You have the words of life, Jesus. I cannot go to anybody else. But when hard times hit, Peter ran. He was lost and didn't even know it. He thought he was found because he was a Jew. He thought he was better than those Romans because he was a Jew. And there was a Roman centurion, it says, that was the cross of Jesus when Jesus was hanging on the cross and crucified. The centurion was there and he was giving charge to those that would spear Jesus in the side. A centurion, a Roman. Jesus' mom had to look at a, a, at a guy wearing a hat that she didn't like very much, that was giving charge to kill her son. How hard is it to love somebody that hates you? You talk about thinking unreachable. God can't reach them. Why? Because I hate them. Peter had already seen these revivals and he had already went down to Samaria. And he, he was one of the ones that went down and laid hands and they spoke with tongues in Samaria. And he saw these other Jews in other regions of the earth coming to Jesus. And he, he was grateful and there's great joy in the city. But guess what? When God calls you on top of a rooftop at Simon the Tanner's house and he says, Guess what? I'm getting ready to send you to people that you don't like very much. It takes three times for him to get that through. And Peter goes with them. And when he walks in Cornelius' house, you need to think he's looking at like what we would look at a Russian that had us under tyranny for years. I'm talking a hundred years of being under the rule of Vladimir Putin. What would we think about our oppressors? How easy would it be to tell them about Jesus? 
We would hate them so much that we couldn't. But God said, I'm going to send you, Peter, whether you want to go or not. And I'm going to talk you into it whether you want to go or not. And I'm going to give you visions whether you want to see or not. And Peter, it says, gets up and he goes down and he walks with those individuals that Cornelius had sent to him. In this story that we read in Acts 10. And Peter, the same one that had shook the stick at the guy, <laughs> literally took a sword and cut one of the guard's ears off. God sent him to go talk to them. Why? Because God don't want them to go to hell either. Can you imagine that lonely road that Peter walking down through there with these people, these Roman guards that had come to get him to take him to Cornelius' house? And he comes up and he says, man, you know, Cornelius, I don't even come in people like your house. I, I'm, I'm not dealing with you. I'm not going to eat with you. I don't want to talk to you. But God sent me here. And he begins to describe Jesus to Cornelius. And Cornelius says, it says that he was praying he gave alms, right? He, he was doing good things, Cornelius was. But that don't make you in relationship with God. God heard it, God saw it, and God knew it. But he still needed something else. What did he need? He didn't need to just pray and give alms and do these things. What did he need to do? He needed Jesus. And he never heard Peter goes to him and as Peter just opens up his mouth and begins to talk the Bible says that immediately Cornelius and his household begin to pray and speak in tongues just like they did in Acts 2 and when they did Cornelius was doing this his family was doing this all these people that invited to see Peter come was doing this and Peter was amazed and perplexed that even these kind of worthless scoundrels God can save them. And we sit comfortably in our Americanism. And we've got missionaries that go over and leave their family, their nieces, their nephews, their mom, their dad, their grandparents. And travel to a foreign country somewhere of people that hate us as Americans. And they put their life on the line. And we American Christians sit back and think, well, it's good to hear from you every once, once a year, once every four years. I think we Americans better get to praying. And let Jesus be glorified throughout the earth. How many would like to see Afghanistan come to Christ? That the Taliban would bow at the name of Jesus. Jesus' name's got to be mentioned there. What about Iran? We look at them and they say, oh, we've got these warheads and oh, we're scared of them. What about China and what about Japan and what about Istanbul and what about, what about all these places? What if we would begin to pray as a church and send missionaries that was backed and they covet our prayers. They come here every time that they come and they say, please pray for us as we go. We're, we're seeing dangerous things on the ground where we're at. Is the church praying? 
Peter had people praying. I guarantee you when he walked off with those guards and headed toward Cornelius' house, I guarantee you Simon the Tanner's household was praying, God be with Peter. He just left with the Romans that we hate. But guess what? When Peter come bouncing back to Simon's house, I guarantee you come back down through there and said, you won't believe what happened. I just saw God save some Romans. I want to see God save some scoundrels, don't you? I would like to see some people that hate God today love Him tomorrow. Why? Because Jesus got involved in what we're doing. If we don't preach Him, He's not going to be known to the world. Everybody is reachable. If they're breathing air, it doesn't matter the color of their skin, it doesn't matter the language they speak, it doesn't matter from the regions of the world they're from. God wants to save people. And He's sending us to go do that. Won't you bow your head and let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And God, I know that you're working in our hearts. Lord, I thank you that you've taken us on a journey here at the bridge this year and you've You've had all these series that uncomfortable, uncertain, all these uns, God. Get the un out of us. Take our negative natures out of us. God, make us a positive influence for your son Jesus to the world in which we live. God, for the missionaries that go, let us be prayer warriors. Let us be vigilant in our prayers that we would intercede on their behalf, that we would lift them up to you, that we would cry out for the regions of the world that where they're going, that their hearts would be receptive to your son Jesus. And God, help us to lay down our ill against those that we hate. Let us give up on those things that divide us as humans. These borders that we live with. That we love ourselves more than others. God, help us to see like you see. Help us to be like Jesus. Talking to Samaritan. preaching to Pharisees that he reach out to Sadducees that he reach out to those fishermen those tax collectors everywhere he went he was reaching and God help us to reach the unreachable for those that are sitting here today that maybe they do not know you. Maybe they've never realized how lost they really are. God, open our eyes to see we have to be like your son Jesus. Save us, O oh God. Meet us here where we're at. Help us. For those that are sick, we pray for your healing, God. For those that are troubled, 
that are living through some problems right now that they never thought they'd see. Send your angels of protection around about them. Protect us, God. Help us to reach like we never have. Help us to love like we never have. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.